Hey everyone, welcome to Rolling Hills Online. Wherever you are in the world, we're glad that you're joining us today. In addition to our online campus, we have two physical locations in Franklin and Nolensville. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you in person. If this is your first time joining us, we would like to invite you to check out our new here page at rollinghillscommunity.org. Here, you can find out more about who we are, what we believe, and what to expect when worshiping with us. If you've been with us before and want to find out how to get involved, please visit our Next Steps page. This is where you can learn more about baptism, partnership, missions, community groups, and more. If you're joining us live, we encourage you to jump into our chat. This is a great way to connect with our online community and further discuss today's message. In addition to the chat feature, you will find today's sermon notes and a link to the Bible so that you can follow along. Have something that you would like for us to pray with you about? Click the prayer request link at the bottom of the page. We would be honored to join you in prayer this week. If you feel called to partner with us financially, you can give online through the giving page of our website. Your support allows us to continue this opportunity to share the message of Christ around the world. So thank you. Again, welcome to Rolling Hills. We hope that you feel at home. From beginning to end, He is the same. From dawn to dusk, from death to life, He is eternal. He is sovereign. He is our teacher, our healer, our provider, our redeemer. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name. above all names, name to be praised, name to be worshipped. You know, whenever you say the name Jesus, everybody in the world immediately thinks of something, right? Everybody in the world immediately thinks, and many people think, well, he was a, a good man, right? Jesus, good man. Or you think, oh, he was a prophet, right? Jesus, a prophet. Or, or they think, oh, Jesus, you know, he was a leader of a movement. But, but Jesus' name is so much greater. H.G. Wells, the uh, noted historian, he made a list of the top 10 uh, most influential men, the greatest men in history. Top 10, and number one on this list, Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, Jesus is so much more than a man. <laughs> Jesus is a fully essence God. And his name tells us, his name tells us that there is something bigger at play here than just being a good man or a prophet or even the leader of a movement. His name literally means salvation. Yeshua, Jesus. Now we have a scripture memory verse in this series. It's Acts chapter 4. We're going to put it up here, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And I want us to say it together because I want us to memorize this by Easter time. So on the count of three, you ready? One, two, three. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Isn't that awesome? No other name. The name of Jesus, salvation. Jesus, the very presence of God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. That Jesus stepped off the pages and into our mess and into our lives and into our world. Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. You know, God's name has always been important to him. I mean, because the name represents the character, the very essence of who God is. And so when you look at the Ten Commandments, right, you have, you know, thou shalt not kill, and thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not commit adultery. And 
don't misuse the name of the Lord our God. And you're thinking, okay, wait a minute, you know, I'm not supposed to kill anybody. I'm not supposed to commit adultery. But don't misuse the name of God? I mean, really, does that measure up? Yeah, because why? Because God, very essence is in his name. And sometimes we're so casual about that, right? I mean, people today use, you know, God's name as swear words or expletives. I mean, just kind of get casual about it. We forget. But when you look in the Old Testament, God reveals himself through his name. In fact, the very first time he met Moses, and Moses says, well, who should I go and tell him sent me? And he says, tell him I am who I am. My name. And that name is literally Yahweh. And to the Jews, it was so precious that they wouldn't even write the vowels. They would just say Y-H-W-H. They they wouldn't even write the vowels for fear that they would misuse the name. But this is the personal name of God. It means the self-existent one. I am who I am. It's used 68 times, 6,800 times in the Bible. Jehovah. But the Jews would only use it one time a year on the Day of Atonement. One time a year at the temple would the name be said, Yahweh, I am who I am. God reveals himself through his name, right? El Shaddai, God Almighty. Hey, guys, I just want you to know that I am Almighty, God says. Whatever you're facing, just know I am Almighty. Elohim, right, the creator, I am the one who put all this together, Genesis 1. I am the creator of all that there is. El Chahul, I love this one. The one who gave you birth. God just says, in my name, El Chahul, I am the one who gave you birth. You want to know why you're here? (laughs) You want to know that you're not an accident? I am the one who gave you birth. That ought to give you some meaning and some worth today, right? God gave you birth. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And the Lord is my protector, my deliverer. He is the banner over me. But two of my favorite names that God reveals himself as, one is this, Father. Galatians chapter 4, just Abba, Abba, A-B-B-A. And it literally means Father. But even more than that, it means Daddy. He says, you can call me Father. The God of the universe, you can call me Daddy. I- I'm with you. I'm for you. My other favorite name is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh from Genesis 22, which literally means the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Think about that today. Jehovah Jireh is here. Jehovah Jireh is in this place. Jehovah Jireh stepped into your life and into this world through Jesus, the fulfillment of the provision. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of John. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels all talk about Jesus, right? And so we're walking through the Gospel of John. We've been through John 1 through 5, and we've seen that Jesus is eternal. (laughs) He is eternal. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And the incredible news for us is this, that, that we don't know what the future holds, but Jesus is already there. I mean, he's already there, so we don't have to worry. He is there. He is waiting on us. He's saying, hey, I got this. We saw Jesus is sovereign, sovereign. He's in control. And whatever you're facing today, just know God's got this. 
God's with you. God's for you. We've seen that Jesus is teacher. We've seen last week Jesus is healer. Pastor Nick did a great job unpacking Jesus as healer. Today we're talking about Jesus as our provider. Our provider. Next week we'll see Jesus as redeemer, Palm Sunday, and then Easter Sunday morning. We're going to celebrate as Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm so excited about it. But today I want us to see this. Jesus, our provider. So come with me to John chapter 6. Maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scriptures or hopefully have a Bible. We have some free Bibles in the back. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take one. That'll be your Bible. Also, we'll put the scripture on the screen. So pick up in verse 1. It says, sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. Now, Jesus did most of his ministry up in the northern part of Judea. He was up there around Galilee. And Galilee is beautiful. Big sea, kind of a lake, sea of Galilee. It has rolling hills. I love that. You know, it's beautiful, right? And it's just this this stunning place. You're thinking, well, no wonder he stayed up there. You know, Jerusalem is this hustle and bustle, this big city, and Jesus is doing a lot of his ministry. So he's up there at the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. So we talked about Jesus' healer. You know, people are hearing about this. They're coming to follow him. And it says, then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. Now, back then, when you taught, the teacher would sit down, the rabbi would sit down, and everybody would kind of gather around. And we know from the other gospels that there was a lot of people there. There were a lot of people that had already come up to be with Jesus. You can picture the scene. He's sitting kind of in an amphitheater. He's sitting on this mountainside, and all these people are around. And Jesus has been teaching them all day. And the Jewish Passover feast was near. So we're, we're moving toward, right, we're moving toward uh, Easter, Palm Sunday. We're moving into the Passover week. And it says, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for all these people to eat? Now, notice this. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So he's testing Philip. Hey, hey Philip, what do you think? A lot of people here. How are we going to feed these people? But he already had a mind what he was going to do, but he was testing Philip. And look what Philip says. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Where does Philip's mind immediately go? Money, right? Jesus, are you crazy? Look how many people are here. We don't have enough money. We can't do this. Eight months' wages, they couldn't even have a bite. Come on, Jesus. (laughs) Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? This little boy is like, hey, here's the discussion happening. He's like, hey, here's what I got. You know, I got these five loaves, two fish. And and Andrew's kind of like, okay, thanks, kid. But, you know, really? I mean, look how many people are here. Well, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down. Notice that. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. So there's 5,000. We call this the feeding of the 5,000, but it says that there were 5,000 men. Biblical scholars also estimate with the women and children there, there was probably about 15 to 20,000 people. 15 to 20,000 people that are sitting down. And Jesus then took the loaves Notice that part, gave thanks. Took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had 
all had enough to eat. He said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. They're recycling. I love that. You know, it's great. So, so they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. 12 baskets. After the people saw this miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The people are like, yes, we've been waiting for the Messiah. We've been waiting for the Messiah. We'll take care of all of the things that we need right now. Come on, and let's make him by force. But Jesus knew that his time had not yet come, right? There was still Palm Sunday to come. There was still Easter to come, so he withdraws by himself. Hey, I think there's some powerful lessons right here for us. Number one is this. God always provides for his people. God always provides for his people. Guys, this is who God is. This is the essence of who he is. He always provides. If you go back in the Old Testament, and remember the New Testament, Jesus said, hey, I've not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. So it doesn't like go, hey, now we got the New Testament. We don't need the Old Testament. No, 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 no. We see God revealing himself all the way throughout. We see Jesus as the fulfillment of that. But if you go back in the Old Testament to Exodus 16, there is a time when the children of Israel are coming out of this land of slavery, out of Egypt, and God delivers them, and they're getting ready to go into the promised land, and then they get scared. And God, God you, you can't conquer those giants. And, and they, they fail to trust God. And so God says, okay, I want you to live in the desert for a little bit till you learn to trust me, till the whole unbelieving generation dies off. And while they're in the desert, what does God do? He provides for his people. And they wake up every morning and they go outside of their tent and there is manna on the ground. And they scoop it up, this manna, which literally means, what is this? And they have bread to eat. There are quail that come and they have meat to eat. God supplies his people. God provides for his people. Now here's the cool part about manna. God said, hey, don't hoard it all because if you hoard it and take it into your tent and think that, hey, I'm going to trust in the manna and I'm going to forget about God because I've got enough manna here in my freezer, you know, in my double freezer. You know, I, I don't need God anymore. The, the manna would spoil. We'd get packets in it. But the Sabbath, right, Shabbat, the Saturday when God says rest one day a week, the day before that Friday, he says go out and grab a double portion because it's not going to come on the Sabbath. It's going to be a day of rest. And sure enough, the people, they, they would go out on, on that Friday, but then some people got up on Saturday and were like, hey, where is it? And God's like, come on, don't you trust me? I told you. And then there it is on Sunday. There it is on Monday. There it is on Tuesday. God always provides for his people. That's incredible for us, isn't it? You ought to just take solace in that fact that God's always going to provide. It's who he is. It's his character. It's his nature. Second thing I think we see is this, is that Jesus, when he comes on the scene, he invites us to ask God. He invites us to ask. Now, remember, all this comes about because Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do, but he said to Philip to test him. Hey, hey Philip, how are we going to do this? And Philip's mind goes to money. Jesus is already planning what he's going to do. And Philip forgets that Jesus is there. How often do we do that? 
How often does something come up in our lives and, and immediately we go, oh man, how much money do I have in my bank account? I don't know if this is going to happen. You know, what's going to happen in my job? What's going to happen in this relationship? How many times do we immediately go there before we ever go there? Before we ever go, wait, 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 wait. And Jesus had already taught his disciples. I mean, if you go back to Matthew chapter 5 through 7, when he called his first disciples, he had the Sermon on the Mount, and he taught them to pray. And how did he teach them to pray? The Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. God, you are the provider. Have you ever thought that everything in your life comes from him? Every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from him. And yet so often when something comes up in our lives, instead of asking God, instead of going to God, and we think about everything else, we're going to fix it, right? We're going to make it right. We're going to buy it. And so many people today, especially where we live, think, I don't need God because I've got money. <laughs> until times get tight or until you get older, you start to realize your own mortality. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, money doesn't solve that. The other thing I think you want to see is this, is that when you live with Jesus and you walk with Jesus, you start to develop an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality. You start to realize that he is sovereign over all, that he is in control of all, that he holds all the riches of the world in his hands we don't have to come to him to just like beg for every little morsel. He is our father. And every parent here will tell you, hey, I want to provide for my kids, right? I, I want to bless them. I love that he feeds all the people, and then they go back and pick up 12 basketfuls. They're like, here's more, here's more, here's more. That's what God loves to do. Think about your life, all that God's done for you. And how it's more than probably you could have even imagined. Do you know what, as a church, we're living this miracle. I mean, I'm telling you, we're living it. Eight years ago, we were meeting in a movie theater. We were meeting in the movie theater in Cool Springs. And so if you weren't here at that time, whenever you go to the movie theater, you're just like, hey, this is where we used to be, right? We met here. We met in the movie theater for five years as a church. Every week, set up, tear down, you know. And we were there, and, and we started to realize, hey, where are we going to go? Landed Cool Springs is kind of expensive. I don't know if you guys know that, but, you know, it's, it's kind of gone up a lot. And so we were, we were looking around, and here's this young church, five-year-old church, average age 27. That's how old most of the people were in the congregation. We, you know, we had a few hundred people that were coming back then. And, and God just said, hey, take an offering because I've got something really big. <laughs> and we were going, God, we have no money in the bank, I mean, other, but, but we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. A lot of you guys, you remember this. But on one Sunday, we asked the church, we said, just stretch. Just bring whatever we can, like the little boy with the fish and the loaves. Let's just put it in the hands of Jesus and let's watch what happens. That one Sunday, we had an altar down front and we came and, and, and people just stretched. We all did, right? Many of you were there. And, and we just prayed and we said, okay, God, we're going out of our savings or out of our retirement account or whatever because, God, we trust that you got something bigger. And we, we came and we just put it all on the altar. And I had no clue what was going to happen. None of us did. You know, we thought, well, maybe, you know, people will give, you know, $50,000 or, you know, $100,000. That would be incredible. Wow. Unbelievable. And, and I'll never forget that afternoon when our team called and they said, Jeff, you won't believe, but the church just gave one million dollars. 
<laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. Because you see, it's only God. And there wasn't enough people in there. It just didn't make sense. It didn't add up. It didn't make, it was no possible way. And God goes, watch this. We're sitting in this. This is what God did. And God still does. But I want you to see the key to all of that then and to all of this now. The key is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And sometimes we can fall in love with the gifts in our own personal life, and we can miss the giver. And that's what the people did back then. So Jesus withdraws from the crowd. He goes over to the other side of the lake. You can kind of pick up, and it says he walked across the water. He took a little shortcut to go over there. In verse 25, it says, when they found him on the other side, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? I mean, we walked around, and he's like, yeah, I just cut across, you know. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He said, guys, you've fallen in love with the gifts. You, you've fallen in love with the stuff. And you're missing me. <laughs> Do not work for food that spoils, right? You're going to be hungry again tomorrow. And that was a cool thing, but you're, you're going to be hungry again. Hey, but for food that endures to eternal life, there is a spiritual depth to this, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, well, what must we do to do the works God requires? Great question. What, what do you want us to do, God? People ask that today. God, what do you want from me? Here's what God says. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in Jesus. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is the essence and the presence of God. So they asked him, well, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? You know, do another trick, Jesus. Do something else. What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, guys, listen, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. I got to stop there just for a second because, see, the people were going, hey, Moses is the one who gave the manna. No, Moses was simply a conduit of God's blessing to his people. Moses was simply the provision that God was working through to take care of his people. But the people looked back and they went, look what Moses did for us. And I think we can do that sometimes too, right? Well, my company, man, they just gave me a big raise. Well, my company gave me a big bonus. Or my parents gave me this inheritance. Or my friends did this for me. No, 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 listen. They were a conduit, but everything comes from God. Don't forget that. Everything comes from him. And the people started attributing it to Moses. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am. I am the bread of life. It's who I am. Now notice that I am. What is that? Yahweh. The personal name. I am the bread. I am the provision. I am the one who meets your every need. Your deepest need. I am. Wow. 
Well, some people didn't like that. They just wanted more bread to eat and fish. They wanted more cool tricks. And it says in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. From that time, some of the crowd said, peace out. We wanted the cool thing over here. We don't want to follow you. We don't want to trust you, Jesus. And Jesus looks at the 12, the disciples. He says, you guys want to leave too? And they go, you're the one who has the words for eternal life. Where will we go? And that's one of the saddest verses in the Bible to me, that verse 66, where many times, you know, the people turned back and didn't follow him because I think the crowd missed out on this life of Jesus. They missed out on the, on the more amazing things even to come. They settled for this and they wanted this when Jesus was saying, there's so much more. There's immeasurably more. You follow me. It's going to be incredible. And they're like, no, 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 no. We just want this and we're not going to follow unless you do this again. And Jesus is going, I got something so much bigger. Follow me. Trust me. Hold on to me. And I would say to all of us, man, let's don't be a part of the crowd. Let's be disciples. Let's follow Jesus wherever you call, whatever you say, we will follow and we will go. I want you to see some things. Number one is this. I want you to understand this. We must distinguish between needs and wants. If we are to know Jesus as provider, we have to distinguish in our lives between needs and wants. Now, if you're a parent, you know this is one of the most challenging things to teach your kids, isn't it? How many times do your kids say, Dad, I need this app right? Dad, I need this, right? They have all the emotion in their heart, you know, Dad, I need this game. Dad, I need this American Girl doll, right? You know, Dad, I need these baseball cards, right? Dad, I need, I need, I need. And you're like, no, you don't need. Let's, let's talk about need. Now, I, as your dad, want to provide that for you. I want you to have things. I want you to enjoy life. But, but that's not a need. And you know why I think it's so hard for us to teach that? <laughs> Because it's hard for us as well, right? <laughs> it's hard for us to distinguish between needs and wants in our own life. God, why haven't you come through? Why didn't you answer this prayer? You know I need this. And God's going, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm your father. I know what you need. Trust me. What happens so many times in our lives we focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe it's all the marketing and the advertisers in the world today, but, but we focus on what we don't have. And when we focus on what we don't have, think about this. When you focus on what you don't have, what does that lead to in your own life? A fear of missing out? <laughs> Jealousy? Envy? Anxiety? I don't have that. But when you focus on what you do have, what does that lead to? Thankfulness, joy, contentment. And think about what God does for you every day. Would you just, just take a moment and think about this. Think about what God does and provides for you every day. Air to breathe. Shelter. Food and a lot of it, <laughs> clean water, family, friends, community, God's presence, 
joy, peace. You see, one of God's incredible promises in Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply all your needs. He will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's a promise from him. And it's a promise that every one of us can say, if I'm honest and I look at my life, God is doing it every day. And that's why he says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious for anything. Are you anxious today? Is there, is there something in your life that you're anxious about? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, right, ask. It's okay to ask. Through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, hey, don't forget what he's done. Be thankful. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and I love this, the peace of God will transcend all understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Guys, that's awesome. You want peace, you just start thinking, look at what God's done. About six weeks ago, we were in the Amazon for our pastor's conference, and, and we go down, and we have these jungle pastors. They come from all over the Amazon, and, and, and I love, uh, as a friend of mine says, we go down to teach them theology, and they teach us about Jesus, you know? I mean, these guys just love Jesus. And they're, I mean, they're in these villages throughout the Amazon. Some of these are big villages. I mean, you know, 40, 50,000 people, and they've got these churches there, but they, they've never been to seminary. They haven't had all this formal training, but man, they just love the Lord. And this one pastor, Daniel, came. It was his first time to ever come, and his wife, they both came together, and, and he told our, our director when he came, he said, um, hey, I can't read. And she was like, well, can you hear? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, she's like, you'll be fine. You'll be great. You know, you can take notes. You know, you, you'll be fine, right? You're going to hear all kinds of things. His wife reads, and so his wife reads all this, he tells him this, you know, and he preaches and he teaches, he does all these things. He's just a great man. Well, he's, he can play the guitar. He learned at a young age, but he lost his, this guitar that he had, so he's kind of made this homemade guitar. And his, he wanted to bring it, but his wife said, you know, you can't bring that. You know, you, come on, you, you want that. And he's just always asked God, I just want a guitar, I want a guitar. And so he comes, we have all these people at this conference, and there's an organization here that takes musical instruments, and it's called Instruments for Missions. And so people, whenever they're done, their kids grow up and say, well, I really don't want to play guitar again, you know. And so they donate these instruments, they refurbish them, and they send them with mission teams all over the world. So we took a couple of guitars, and we went down there. Now, we had no idea that Daniel, that was a dream he'd been asking God about for a long time, that he could have a guitar so we get down there, and the last day, Daniel's had this incredible time, this incredible experience, and all these pastors there, and we did a drawing. We did a drawing for this guitar, and we reach in, and we pull out, what name do you think we pulled out? <laughs> Daniel. And Daniel comes up, and he just jumps out of his seat, but he comes up on stage, and he takes the guitar, and the first thing he does is this, and he just puts his hands up. And I stood there, and I just went, whoa, whoa. This guy just realized, man, it, it came from the Lord. And I got to tell you, it hit me right here, because I think there's so many times in my life that I just go, this happens, this happens, and I never even stop just to say thank you. David Show, one of the guys who was with us, just came over and put his hand on him and just prayed over him. And Daniel and his wife comes up, and his wife is crying, and he's just holding on to this, going, I'm going to lead my church in worship. Guys, I think we just have to start thinking, are we thankful? 
of all the things God does in our lives. The second thing I want us to get today is this. Do, do we trust God? We, we got to learn to trust him. It, it, you know, Philip was being tested here, right? And, and I think that God comes along and there's times in our lives that he, he tests us. I tell my, my kids all the time, they're like, I got a test this week. I'm like, isn't that great? You get to see how much you're learning. And they're like, stop it, dad. You know, they roll their eyes. I don't know if anybody else gets the eye roll, but I, you know, they're like, well, I'm already graduated. I don't care. You know, it's like, but you know, it's like, so they, they do that, right? But I do think spiritually that there are tests that come in our life. I think there's times that, that God just tests us like he did with Philip, like he did with a guy in the Old Testament named Abraham. Remember Abraham? God says, hey, leave your country and your people and go to a land I will show you. And Abraham goes, okay, I'll do it. I'll follow you, God. And God, God blessed him, man. God blessed him. This guy was wealthy. He was successful. And God said, I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. And God adds all these livestock to him and men servants and maid servants. And, and Abraham's like, this is awesome. This is great. But God, I'm getting older. And I don't have a child. But Abraham just keeps waiting for the promise, for the promise, for the promise. And at 100 years old, his wife's 90. They have a baby, a little boy, Isaac. The promise. And Abraham's like, yes! God, you, you provided. This is, this is awesome. A few years later, God says, Abraham, I want you to take your son. I want you to go to Mount Moriah. And I want you to sacrifice your son to me. I want you to give him back. Now, for any parent, we're like, oh, wow, hold on. That just got personal, right? <laughs> The Bible says that early the next morning, early the next morning, Abraham gets up, packs up the donkey with wood for the sacrifice, with a knife, and with his son. And they head to Mount Moriah. And on the way, Isaac's looking around like, this is awesome, I get to be with dad. And he goes, hey, by the way, dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. I'm thinking, man, this is a test. When they get up on Mount Moriah and he fixes the altar and then he takes his son and he puts him on the altar. God, I'm not just going to fall in love with the gifts. I'm always going to keep you first. And he takes the knife and then tells us in Hebrews that Abraham truly believed that if his son were to die, God would raise him from the dead. That's pretty powerful. But before Abraham could do anything, the angel comes along and stops his arm. And he looks over and there's a ram caught in the thicket. And they take the ram and they sacrifice the ram to God. And they name that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And what I love about that is it's not the Lord did provide. It's not that they're memorializing a place. God's revealing his nature and saying, I am the Lord who will provide. Do you know the Lord that God today? Do you understand that he is here today? Isaac goes on, right? Abraham descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky because he trusted, because he followed. And then number three, I want you to get this, is that we got to be changed by Jesus, you guys. We've we got to be changed. We've got to be transformed. A, a, a lot of people look at this miracle, the feeding of the 
15,000 or 20,000, whatever it really is there. And they see how God multiplied the fish and the loaves. But a lot of scholars believe this, that as that little boy went up and gave the bread and the fish, that as the food was coming around, that other people who had come that day to hear and who had food with them and who were hoarding it began to open up and began to share as well. And I think you and I, when we start to follow Jesus, all of a sudden, we begin to share and we become generous and we become conduits of God's love and God's grace. And we say, God, you've given me all this, not for me to hoard it and for it to spoil, but you've given me all this so that I can be a conduit to others. You know, there's enough food in the world to feed every person. And there's still people starving today. There's enough water in the world. There's enough love in Christ and forgiveness and hope and joy. But we become the hands and feet of Christ. So I just want to ask you, where are you today? Do you know Jehovah Jireh? Do you live with a heart of gratitude? Do you recognize that everything you have comes from him? Here's what I want us to do. I just want you to put your hands out like this, just open hands. Our response time today, Jeff's gonna come and lead us. You know, the Quakers would pray like this. With just open hands to the Lord and saying, God, Everything I have is yours. So this morning, would you just give him your worries? Would you give him your fears? Would you give him your life? Would you even give him your children? Or your grandchildren. And we try to control them, don't we? And we try to control their future, and we can't. But we can place them into the hands of a loving God. And this morning, maybe God's calling you to receive, to just receive His love, to receive His grace. To receive his forgiveness. So Father, here we are, your disciples. And we've come this morning to recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we come with grateful hearts today, God. And we admit sometimes we fall in love with the gifts and miss you. And so today, God, I pray that you would just reorder our priorities and reorder our heart. Oh God, fill us with joy and peace and contentment. God, for those who have wronged us, let us be people who forgive. For the times, God, that we look at the bank account instead of looking to you. 
Lord God, the times that you bless and we give the credit to somebody else. Father, today we just want to come and just lay it all at your feet and say it's all about you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You are my provider. You are my hope. You are the bread of life. Thank you. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray and that we worship. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service, and we want to encourage you to reflect on today's message throughout the week. Here at Rolling Hills, our goal is to raise up a community of disciples to be the hands and feet of Christ, and we hope that you will partner with us in doing so. How do you do that? Well, here are several ways. First, join us every Sunday, either online or at one of our physical locations. Join us as we worship our God and learn more about Him and His plan for us. Second, get connected. Check out our Next Steps page on the site to find out how you can engage with us further by serving or joining a community group. And lastly, we want to invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that online through the giving section of our site. All tithes and offerings go to support our ministries both locally and internationally, enabling us to impact lives and share God's Word. Again, we are so glad you joined us today. Have a great week.